you brought your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now I could probably read, easily read the whole chapter to you, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to read the last three verses, and then I, I may talk about the whole chapter. And if you're looking for somewhere to do a little studying on uh, in your next, uh, next time, quiet time alone with the Lord, then maybe you'll come here to... 1 Peter chapter 1 and study the chapter out and, and uh, you'll have to pair that up with Isaiah also but anyways uh, uh, and you'll see that you'll find that whenever you go back and study it but anyways let's look here at 1 Peter chapter 1 I want to start at verse 23 and read verses 23, 24 and 25 and we'll go to the Lord together uh, in prayer uh, Isaiah not Isaiah goodness I'm thinking about Isaiah 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Let's go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here tonight, to uh, fellowship together, to worship together, uh, to hear your word proclaimed tonight, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have to gather here without fear of persecution. We thank you, Lord, for each one who's made the effort to come out tonight, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you've poured out on us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for uh, all the good things that you've done for us, Lord God. God, but we thank you most of all for your son Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. Lord, we're not worthy. We don't deserve it. Uh, we never have deserved it. But God, you chose us anyways. You loved us not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And God, we could never do enough to thank you or repay you. But God, let us be a people unworthy as we are let us be a people that always has praise and glory on our lips for you because you alone are worthy of it and lord let me pray for our service tonight i'm asking your blessings tonight on our service i'm asking that you would move in our midst in a mighty way i'm asking that you would stir our hearts god that you would light a fire in us God, that you would that something deep down in our souls would come welling up. Lord, I'm praying that tonight would be a night that we would get a vision of, of, of you in your throne. That tonight would be a night, Lord, that we would be touched by your spirit. That tonight would be the night that you would get a hold of us and shake us to our very foundations, God. That tonight would be the night. Oh, that you would profoundly change us and open our eyes. God, that we would leave here with a vision and a heart for what you see when you look outside these doors for a lost and dying world. God, my prayer here tonight is that you move in our midst in a mighty way. You know our hearts. You know where we're at. You know where we've grown indifferent, complacent. You know where we've just quit caring. 
You know where we struggle. So, Lord, I'm praying tonight, Lord, that you would just move in a mighty way. Do what needs to be done in our hearts and our lives and our minds. And, Lord, if there's any among us that doesn't know you, any that are lost and undone, God, let tonight be the night that they would get saved before it's everlasting too late. God, pour your spirit out on us. God, I'm asking for your anointing and your holy unction. I'm asking for you to move in a mighty way, and I'll give you every bit of the glory for it. God, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you were to look at this whole chapter, uh, and like I said, the whole thing goes together, runs together. It's good study. But if you were to look at this whole chapter, this first chapter of First Peter, you would see there is three incorruptible things that are mentioned there. Now, two of them, twice he uses the word incorruptible. I read to you the third time. The first time is in verse 4. But another place, if you, he uses the word corruptible, and if you read the whole thing, you understand that, he's, that he talks about what's incorruptible there also. So there's three things that he, uh, three incorruptible things uh, that are mentioned in this first uh, chapter. The first one is in verse 4 where it talks about an incorruptible inheritance. That's the exact quote from verse 4, incorruptible inheritance. The second thing is from verses 18 and 19, and you just have to kind of read it, and the word corruptible is used there, but you can infer what he's talking about, and it's an incorruptible redemption. So we have an incorruptible inheritance, we have an incorruptible redemption, and then here in verses 23 and 24 and 25, we have a, and he says in verse 23, an incorruptible word, right? An incorruptible word by which we are born again. That's the point that he's making there. So what I want to focus on here tonight uh, is that third one, the incorruptible word. And I told you guys that deacons, I told you guys in our meeting, few of the things we said kind of going along what I'm going to preach about tonight. So don't think I'm preaching about you. It's a thought that I already had, but some of the things we said goes right along with it. But anyways, I want to talk tonight about that incorruptible word. Now, Peter compares uh, the word to a seed, right? We see that, right? And that's the same thing. He learned that from Jesus. He didn't come up with that on his own. That wasn't something new that he just got right then under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, although the Holy Spirit inspired him to write it. But it's actually something that he got first from Jesus because we see Jesus doing the same thing, comparing the word to a seed. And James said that in our, uh, in our, in our meeting tonight. But anyways... Uh, Jesus does that in the parable of the sower, right? You can read that in Matthew chapter 13. And so when we begin to think about that, just like a seed, the word is small and seemingly insignificant. Right? You look at that little seed, whether it's a sunflower seed, a tomato plant seed, or, or just whatever it might be, right? That little seed is seemingly insignificant, right? It seems to be lifeless. But you see, just the opposite is true. Contained within that little seed is life and power. The, there's a reason why throughout the Bible, over and over and over again, the Word of God is compared to a seed. Because what seems like a small and insignificant thing actually contains both life 
and power within it. The word must be planted just as a seed must be planted. If that seed is never planted, it will never do anything. I mean, that's just the bottom line. If a seed, right, you can have a whole drawer full of some of the finest uh, tomato plant seeds that you can get your hands on. You ever notice how I always come back around to tomato plants? I kind of like tomatoes fresh out of the garden. But anyways, and I've done it all. I've I've bought plants and I've started my own. I've done it all. I can tell you right now. You can have, as a matter of fact, I probably got some pretty good heirloom uh, Arkansas traveler tomato plant seeds right now in my house. But as long as they stay in that drawer, they will never do nothing. They will not make one good bacon tomato sandwich. It just won't happen. They won't be a good slice of tomato. Won't be no tomatoes that you can chop up and make sauce out of, spaghetti sauce or any stew them or anything else that you want to do. They will just be seemingly insignificant, lifeless seeds laying in a drawer. But when you plant them, when you plant them, something happens. There is life and there is power in that seed. The Word of God is the same thing. It must be planted. And when it is planted in good soil, you go back and study it. You want to add a little more to this? You want to expand your study a little bit? Go and study Matthew chapter 13 with the parable of the sower, and you'll see there's different kinds of soil. But when that seed is planted in good soil, And God sends a few along to tend to it, take care of it. It will grow and it will will produce 10, 50, and 100 fold. The word must be planted in order to do any good. And when it is planted, it is planted in the heart of man. When it is planted deep in the heart, it produces fruit. Uh, look at verse 23 that I read to you tonight. First verse I read to you. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God. Right? So it's telling us the incorruptible word, or the incorruptible seed, is the word of God. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to produce life in those who will accept Jesus Christ, who will receive that seed, that good Word, right? The good soil that it finds, the heart that it finds, it takes root into. And it produces life. It produces life because it is the truth. It is the gospel that saves That's why, uh, and see, we were talking, this is where I said it would go along with it. We were talking in a deacon's meeting, of course, about attendance and, you know, all them kind of things like that that, you know, you tend to focus on when you shouldn't focus on and worry about when you shouldn't worry about, but that's just, that's what we do. We do it because we care. And uh, anyways... If you're not careful, so many people with the 
best of attentions. We'll do anything and everything except for the one thing that God has called them to do in order to try to do what is a good and noble thing, in order to try to produce results, right? In order to see, uh, to, to, you know, see growth, to see souls added to the kingdom of God, right? To see, you know, to see the church grow, all those things, right, that we think about and we associate with that. If you look around, there is millions, I started to say thousands, but no, millions of books written. There is probably thousands of podcasts that go out daily. There is probably countless videos on YouTube. There is, I'll guarantee you, seminars, probably multiple seminars going on somewhere in the country every week of the year, right, that is trying to help and to teach, uh, you know, all these different things and these programs that, you you know, you can do and this, well, if you'll change this and if you'll do that, right, I mean, you name it, from one end to the other, right, Where whether it's starting some sort of uh, uh, some sort of you know coffee house Bible study, to uh, whether it's to remodel the church and make it not look like a church anymore, to you name it, right? All these things. Man, and it's easy, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of business sense and logic that's in that. And if you were Starting some sort of business here in town, I'll guarantee you most of those things would work and work really good. And those things will produce results. But here's the thing. What kind of results does it produce? You reap what you sow. And if you're sowing something that is corruptible, Instead of something that's incorruptible, right? Does that, does that make, am I making any sense here at all tonight? If, if what you're doing is things that are corruptible, things that don't last, things that might make a lot of sense in the business world and in the marketing world, right? Uh, but they're not the things that God has told us and commanded us to do, right? They might produce some sort of temporary, corruptible results. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. This is a verse that whenever God pointed this out to me, I have memorized it, I have stood on it. It says so much, and here's what it says. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Right? If we're not careful, we've got to be talking about all these things to build faith. But the, what the Bible tells us is that all these experiences and things is not what builds faith. They might build a good testimony, right? They might encourage you. They might do some things like that. But faith actually comes from the hearing of the Word of God. So therefore, with what we read so far tonight, I would say that my job as a preacher is to try my best to get you to listen. Not to just my advice on marriage or finances or raising your children or whatever your perceived need is. But my job as a preacher is to do everything that I can to get you not to listen to me, but to listen to what God says. To hear the word of God, right? Our, our spiritual birth, right? Being born, of, being born again is brought about through the word of God. 
It's not through a gimmick. It's not through a technique. It's not through, right, people debate, uh, you know, altars and altar calls is not something that's been around since Paul's day and Peter's day or Jesus' day, right? It's something that we started I don't know, less than 200 years ago uh, because it just it was actually called a mourner's bitch and it was just a place to come and pray. And then it's kind of become a thing where people walk the aisle and come to the altar and get saved. And, and there's a lot of debate going on whether or not, you know, should you have altar calls or should you not have altar calls and this and that and so on and so forth, right? Listen to me. Um, I like altar calls and that's what we do and that's how I feel led to do it. So that's why I do it that way. But the truth is, is it's not the method. It's not the technique. It is, it's not how good of, a, of an altar call I make or what kind of altar call I make or even whether or not I make one. But it is the word of God that goes forward. It is the incorruptible seed that is planted in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whenever it is spoken, whenever it is preached, whenever it is read, that takes root in our heart and does the transformation from the inside out. Everything else that we do is an outward showing of what is taking place inward in the heart. And of course, if we go on, we read there uh, in, you know, in Romans chapter 10, it tells us that we need to confess with our mouth and we need to make public profession. And, and a good way to do that is an altar call. I like altar calls. But I mean, I'm just saying it doesn't have to be that way. I've known people that's got saved on the golf course. I've seen them get saved uh, behind the back of a shop building before. I've seen them get saved in their home, in their pickup. I've seen them get saved all kinds of places. And I've seen a lot get saved right here at the altar, too. Listen, as men and women and children hear or read, see, we don't think about that often, but do you know how many testimonies there's been of somebody who was somewhere and maybe they were at a low point in their life or maybe they weren't, I don't know, but they're in a hotel room and they pick up a Gideon's Bible and there's just something that's drawing them and they begin to read. Right, and that's the beginning of their salvation experience and their salvation story. It's the Word of God. It's not a smooth, talking, slick preacher. It is the Word of God. So as men and women and, and children of all ages, as they hear or read the Word of God, their, their Bibles, they are convicted of their sins. They become convinced that Jesus is the only way. Christ is the only Savior. And they make a decision. They repent and make a decision. Right, repent, that means they, they turn away from their wicked ways, right? Uh, they ask God for forgiveness, right? They are converted. And therefore, through the work of the Holy Spirit, they are born again. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Listen to me. Hear what I am saying tonight. No one, no single person ever 
in the history of uh, since the time of Christ has ever been saved outside of, apart from the incorruptible Word of God. Somebody has every single time has shared the gospel, the good news with them, one way or another. Whether it was through a preacher preaching, whether it was just a chance meeting and somebody is sharing the gospel through maybe their testimony or witnessing to them or simply just reading the words written on the page. But it has always, without exception. Now there's been lots of false conversions. There's lots of false conversions that take place every day, right? There's lots of seed that, that fall on that path and are trampled. There's seed that, that it comes up among the thorns and, and are choked out by the cares of the world. There's the seed that's thrown out there on gro- rocky ground and has no root. And it, as quick as it comes up, it dies out, right? There is lots of false conversions and lots of... Uh, it just don't take, it just don't stick. However you want to say it, however your theology tells you you need to say it, the bottom line is, is that there, there's a bunch of them that just don't take with. But they ain't none that's ever truly been saved outside of the Word of God. Verses uh, 24 and 25, uh, listen here for a second. For all, Verse 24, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Hear that? Verse 25, first sentence in it, But the word of the Lord endureth forever. The word of God lasts forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, this is what I was saying a while ago, maybe pair Isaiah chapter 40 with this chapter. Because Peter is actually, the apostle Peter is actually quoting from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6, 7, and 8. Right? He, that, he's quoting from those verses right here. Verse 24 and 25 is a quote from that part of Isaiah chapter 40. And what Peter is doing is he is reminding Christians that everything in this life, I'm talking possessions, uh, accomplishments, the things that you do or things that you've accomplished. Um, People, right, the the people around you that you care about or that you're chasing after or whatever the case may be, all of those things will eventually fade away and disappear. Only God's will, God's word, and God's work are permanent. Those are the only things. I didn't come up with that on my own will, word, and work. I heard another preacher say that one time, but it stuck with me because they're all W's and they go together, but it's true. Only God's will, God's work, and God's word are permanent. Those are the only things that last. And think about this for a minute. Since God's word is eternal, that's what it says here that I just read to you. So since God's word is eternal then the fruit that it produces is is eternal as well. Did you ever think about that? Because God's word endureth forever, because it is eternal. Then the fruit it produces is eternal as well. That means whatever we do in obedience to the word of God will last forever. Now, I understand, don't don't read too much or go too far with it, uh, because... On the other side of that, right, I might share uh, the word of God with somebody. I might, I'll pick on Malachi. I might share it with Malachi. 
Uh, and, but Malachi might not stick with it, right? He's got his own decisions to make. He, he's still got a free will. I'm not trying to cancel his free will. But I'm trying to tell you that only the work that is done for the Lord is the work that will last. Whatever we do, and the opposite is true also. Whatever we do in the energy of the flesh, and though it might be good or it might look good, for a little while, it will not last. So what am I trying to say to you? I'm trying to say we need to stop grasping at the temporary. And we need to begin focusing our time, our money, and our energy on the permanent. Do you hear me? We have got to stop grasping at the temporary. And we've got to turn our focus to the, what is eternal. And we've got to start using the... We've got to be a good steward of our time and our, and our finances and our energy. And we need to use that on what will endure, what will last, on what is permanent. And so the Word of God lives and abides forever. And though heaven and earth shall pass away, God's will God's word will never pass away because it is settled forever in heaven. And you know what? The life that it produces, it's eternal also. So, three things, quickly, three quick statements I want to make to you tonight about this. First of all, the ministry of the word, that's how the church grows. When I say church, I'm not just talking about how many people we get to come and fill pews. We can use worldly tactics. Guarantee it. You create a worldly atmosphere in here, and you play worldly music, and you, te and you tickle each itching ears, and you do what I said this morning in my preaching, right? Remember what I was preaching about this morning? And if, you, and if all you'll do is just preach on the fly, Right? All you'll do is just preach on the promises and the victories and, 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 and you've won in Jesus and all this. And you ignore the sin and you ignore the word of God and you ignore everything else. Oh yes. We can put a lot more people in these seats. Guarantee it. You'd be surprised in how short a period of time that we could probably double the number of people sitting in here on a Sunday morning. But is that really church growth? Or is that just good church business? And I mean that in a bad way. In other words, are we producing something that's eternal and something that will last? Or are we producing something that will flame out as soon as the excitement and the appeal is gone? Are we producing something that will be here when time, at the low times and the bad times and the hard times and the rough times? Or are we, going to, are we just producing something that's going to be gone the first time something flashier and more exciting and has more zam? You can write that one down. Down the street. Listen to me. 
the ministry of the word is how the church grows. This is how, that right there is how people get saved, right? God has given his word life changing power. That's what I told you to begin with here tonight. So by hearing or reading the word of God, we are convicted of our sins and are convinced that Jesus is the only way to God. And we are convinced that Jesus is the only means by which we can obtain salvation and that only in Jesus can we find true eternal life, happiness, joy, meaning. And all of this actually happens as we hear or read the word of God. And that seed is planted in the fertile soil in our heart and it begins to take root and grow. It's only, it's only when we hear or read the word of God. Only then, only then, right? The word must go forward first. And only then after the word has went forward, one way or another, after the word has went forward, then... Does the Holy Spirit come along and is enabled uh, to, uh, uh, to apply that word to our hearts? That is the way that it works. The word goes forward and that enables the Holy Spirit to come along and apply that heart and do his work within our hearts. So hear me tonight. No word means no work of the Holy Spirit. And if there's no work of the Holy Spirit, then there's no conviction, right? There might be a feeling bad uh, for bad things that we've done to, you know, people or whatever. But that's not true uh, conviction from God, right? So no word, right? If we don't hear or read the word, if there's no word, uh, then there's no work of the Holy Spirit. If there's no work of the Holy Spirit, there's no true godly conviction, that means there's no true uh, 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 repentance, and therefore there is no salvation. You cannot be saved. You cannot be born again apart from the Word of God. So the second thing I want to mention to you tonight is the ministry of the Word. That's how us as Christians grow. It's how the church grows. I'm talking about true people being truly born again. The Spirit of God. Souls added to the kingdom of God. That's only true church growth. People that just feel bad for a little bit and then go on doing what they've always done, that's not church growth. People that want to turn over a new leaf and they make their best human effort to turn over a new leaf, unless they're born again by the Spirit of God, they will fail eventually. There is no eternal lasting results. And even if they didn't fail, even if they managed to keep it up for the rest of their life, that won't get you into heaven. So that's how, that's how the church grows. But it's also how we as Christians grows, grow, is the ministry of the word. That's why Paul uses the language that he did in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, when he says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Look, there's so many of us, and, and um, I'm going to be careful here, but it's so true and you need to hear it. And if the Holy Spirit pricks your heart, then listen up and take note to what the Spirit of God is saying to you, not what I'm saying to you. But there are so many of us that uh, we don't care for the meat of the Word, right? We, we want just a little bit of milk, right? It's like we're just, you know, we're, we're, well, the Bible says we're babes in Christ. And all we want is we want somebody to fix us our baba, 
and, and we drink and we drink our baba milk and and maybe suck on a pacifier to get us through, uh, you know, for a while. And we absolutely have no desire. And as a matter of fact, we'll do what we can to stay away from anytime there's a place or an opportunity that might challenge us or cause us or force us to dig in a little bit to the meat of the word. That's why Paul says what he does uh, about desiring sincere milk, uh, or Peter said it, about desiring sincere milk of the word that we may grow behind it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 and verse 2, he says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. And he is, I mean, that's to their shame. If you look at, let me read it to you here in Hebrews, uh, in the book of Hebrews in chapter, um, uh, let's see here, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. It says, For when, for when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Baby Christian, spiritually. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of their use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Look, all of us start out on milk, but we shouldn't live the rest of our lives on the milk of the Word. Right? There comes a point, there comes a time, right, to grow up uh, spiritually. Uh, and to, it comes a time to... To, to you know, push that bottle away uh, and start to start out on the meat of the word, right? Uh, I, I'll use just a little bit of a story that's an analogy. Whenever I was a teenager, I don't think me and Jennifer was married yet, but I was getting close to that age. We were, we were getting close to being married. I had a friend who was my age. Me and him were best friends through all of school and even for several years after school. He had a little brother. His parents, a lot later in life, I mean several years later, had had another child. And he was 10, 15 years younger. And he was, he was a pretty big boy. For, his name was Levi. He's a pretty big boy for his age. I mean, he was five, and he was, he was as big as probably an eight or nine-year-old or maybe a 10-year-old. You know, he was a big boy for his age. I was over there at their house one evening. God is my witness. This is exactly how it happened. I was at their house one evening. And this five-year-old boy that's about the size of a nine or ten-year-old walks into the kitchen, opens up the refrigerator, pulls out a carton of chocolate milk, walks over to the counter, reaches into the cabinet, gets out a bottle and a nipple for the bottle, pours the chocolate milk into his bottle, fills her up, puts the milk back in the refrigerator, screws his own nipple, his own lid, onto his bottle, and goes and lays down on the couch and drinks that bottle like somebody who are one or two years, not even two years old, 18 months old or something like that. That boy was old enough to be weaned off the milk and to be weaned off the bottle. He'd been, he'd been beyond that. For a long time. Church, hear me. 
There is many of us and maybe some sitting here tonight that ain't no different than that boy who's getting up and fixing his own bottle. By the time I'm talking spiritually to the world that you are, you've been in it long enough and big enough in it long enough to fix your own bottle, it's time to get weaned and get off the milk and get on to the meat and dig into the Word of God where you by you might grow. Without spending time in the Word of God, you're never going to grow and become a strong Christian. And you're going to remain weak and easily influenced. And then the last thing I want to mention to you, and then I'll close after this. And this is one, maybe you haven't thought of this before. The ministry of the Word guarantees, it assures us, it guarantees us that what we are doing will last. And that it's God's will. Did you ever think about that? Right? We get to talking about doing this and doing that, and we think, well, should we do this? Should we do that? Listen to me. If it's the ministry of the Word, it guarantees you that what you're doing is the will of God and that what you're doing will have eternal, uh, an eternal effect, that it will last. The Word of God is incorruptible. Therefore, it does not go bad. It won't change. Right? I'm telling you, it's easy sometimes. I've... Man, I've been to as, probably as many church growth conferences as anybody else that you can think of or name. I've read as many books and listened to, listen to me. Um, I, I've heard it. I've seen it. I could, probably, I could probably advise somebody on it, you know. But the thing is, it's easy to get to thinking about this and these guys talking, you know, and you hear this and you think, man, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's right. Boy, you hear something else and you think, yeah, that's smart. You know, that's, that's the way people think or that's the way people work or, yeah, that's right. Why are we, you know, you, you get to thinking all these things. And next thing you know, you just get overloaded and burdened down, right, because, it, you know, it all it is is a fad. It's just one fad to the next, right? You look at the ones that, you know, that seems like things are going and this and that, you know, that's got a lot of uh, temporary excitement or whatever. And if you'll begin to look around, what it is is it's all the latest fads all put together. And they'll last, right? That'll last five, ten years maybe. And then it'll be gone, right? And then if you're going to keep up and you're going to do that, right? If you watch these churches that do this, they'll go from one fad to the next to the next. It dawned on me one time several years ago, about five, six years ago, maybe ten years ago. That's, God never asked me to do that. He never asked us to chase one fad to the next and the latest culture you know, trends to the next and so on and so forth. He never asked us to do that. What he did ask us to do was get the word out. The ministry of the word, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I realized that and, and realized that's what God called us to, I knew I'd never pastor a great big large church, but that's okay. That's okay. What he did call me to do is to preach the word of God, to teach the word of God, to do whatever I can to get the word of God out. And I know, I know that what I'm doing is God's will and it will last. And that's good enough for me. I'm satisfied with that. So when that's what we do, we can know for sure that if our ministry is the Word of God, then we're on the right track. That we're actually doing the will of God. No question about it. 
and that we will never. Here's another thing. You always worry about leading people astray. If, our, if what we're doing is the ministry of the Word of God, then we know that we will never be leading people astray. Not if we stick to the Word of God. And that will also realize that, that, we are, that what we are doing will actually last. That's why Isaiah says in Isaiah 55:11, actually it's God saying through the prophet Isaiah, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall <clears throat> accomplish that which I please and shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. In other words, God's saying that when my word goes forward, it'll do just exactly what I intend for it to do and it will accomplish the will of God. Right? God's word will never return void. It will always accomplish God's intended purposes. That means as long as we are getting God's word out, we can have confidence that our labor is for the Lord is not in vain. We might mess up, but you see, God's word will never mess up. And we need, we need the preaching and the teaching of the word of God above everything else and I listen to me I do not mean to minimize the place of music we have wonderful music As a matter of fact I think we probably got some of the best music uh, of any church in this part of the country as far as I'm concerned and so I'm not meaning to, min to minimize it in any way shape or form uh, there is a place for methods and how things happen and whether it's you know whether it flows good or if it just looks like a train wreck I, I understand there's a place for that and that does make a difference and so there's a place for methods and there's a place uh, for organization and accountability but there is absolutely no substitute for the Word of God right for hearing God for hearing God speak to us through his word there is no substitute for that. So here's what I come to tell you tonight. Let's do what we can to get the word out. That's what I'm asking you. Deacons, I think that's essentially what I was asking you in our meeting. Help me think of ways to get the word out. Let's do what we can to get the word. And when I say word, I mean with a capital W. I'm talking about the word of God. Let's do what we can to get the word out. So let me ask you a couple questions that maybe, hopefully, I, I hope it challenges you a little bit. What are you doing? What are you, I'm talking personally, you, each individual one, right? I could go through here and I can name Scott, James, I, I, I mean, uh, Diana, I, uh, Dale, Robin, I mean, I, Wendell, Dorna, I can name every one of you, Randy. What is it that you are doing to get the word out? Let me ask you another question. Are you telling people about Jesus? You found this pearl of great prize. What are you doing with it? Are you hiding it? Have you hid it away and trying to keep it secret? Are you sharing it with everyone? Are you spreading the gospel, the good news? Are you telling people about Jesus? Are you even inviting people to church? That's a good place that they can hear the word of God. That's a good place where they can be in Christian fellowship. There sure is a good opportunity for them to get under conviction and get saved. Are you inviting people to church? Are you giving out Bibles to people? That's a good way to get the word of God out. The Gideons have won no telling how many people to Jesus just by giving out Bibles. Are you sharing verses of scripture, the scripture 
wherever you can, right? There's so many of us, right, that spend so much time on social media, Facebook, and, and what else is there, Instagram, TikTok, all that kind of stuff. Are you using your opportunity to share a little bit of God's Word? It'll go a lot farther than whatever words you've got to say or whatever silly dance that you're going to do and put on TikTok or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Are we using what means? You might say, well, I don't do any of that stuff. All right. You talk to people face to face. Are you sharing the Word of God with them? Does just maybe a scripture come out in your conversation here and there? Do you quote the Bible whenever to, to back up whatever you're saying, right? When you're talking to somebody, right? I mean, are you sharing the word of God with them? Parents and grandparents, are you teaching your kids and your grandkids the Bible? Or are you too worried that they might think you're some sort of fuddy-duddy or no fun or whatever? Listen to me. The Bible tells us if we'll train up a child in the way that he should go, when he's old, he'll not he'll not depart from it. I don't care. I don't care what. Um, I've got kids that don't have grandkids yet, but I don't care uh, if they think that I'm a fuddy duddy or not fun or whatever. They're going to know that dad or grandpa or whatever is serious about the Word of God. Are you even spending any time in the Bible yourself? in the Word of God yourself. Is that the root of it? Have you been struggling with some of these questions I've asked you? And if you have, is the root of it that you're not spending any time in the Word yourself? You do know that the absolute best thing that you could do for yourself is to spend some time in the Bible. There is nothing else that you could do that will be more good and have a greater, more positive effect on you and in your life and in the life of those around you than if you would spend some time in the Word of God, in the Bible. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come tonight. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come tonight? If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come tonight? Whatever it might be, would you come tonight? Don't miss this chance. Don't miss this opportunity. You just come right on.